Welcome to the Victory Alabang Podcast. You're listening to a message from our preaching series entitled Metro. Together, we'll discover God's purpose for the cities and the role we play in it. We hope this message encourages and inspires you today. Alright, um, I'd like to introduce myself for those of you who don't know me. If you have joined us in the past month and you are not familiar with who I am. My name is Pastor Ariel Marquez, and I'm one of the pastors of this congregation. You know, we are actually going through the topic of missions, and we're talking about cities. Last week, Pastor Ferdy talked about, uh, you know, the cities on earth actually are broken cities, and they're in need of redemption. But we're looking now into a heavenly city, a heavenly dwelling. And if you have your Bibles with you, I'd like for you to open to the book of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 to 10. By faith, Abraham opened, or sorry, obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. Verse 9, by faith. Everybody say, by faith. He went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. Verse 10, he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. This is the word of the Lord. All right, so if you are looking for a title for this message, it's supposed to be our heavenly home, but kind of change it from the Garden of Eden to a heavenly city. Then I realized that the Bible is really a redemptive story of sorts. That when you open the Bible, the very beginning pages of the Bible, you're familiar with, well, what did God create first? As a, you know, as a home for Adam and Eve. It is a garden of Eden. Beautiful place. A perfect place. A place where there's no sickness, no sin, no nothing until the, you know, the first couple rebelled before the Lord. And, and, and uh, in Genesis chapter 3, we see the fall of man. And from then on, the story of God's redemption started until the very end of the Bible. And we see that in the very end, the garden is no longer a garden, but it's going to be a city that we will all live in. And that's what Metro is all about. This series, this short series of missions that we are looking at as uh, Pastor Ferdy has uh, mentioned last week. It's a mission series. Uh, we're, to, we're looking at the significance of our role as a church in the Great Commission, in reaching out our, the different nations of the earth. You know, one of our goal, you know, one of our uh, passion is to reach every nation in our generation. And looking at Asia, and I was listening to Pastor June, and what he was doing is he was updating us, you know, out of like 30 plus nations in Southeast Asia, we have actually reached 28 nations already. Only two nations left to reach out. Now what will happen if we've reached out those two nations? Is our, done, is our job over? That's why I believe that what we need to look at now is not just nation but cities. It should be every city in Asia. How many of you know that's a lot of cities? And if we're looking at every city in Asia and, you know, our presence ought to be in every city in Asia, then, you know, there's a lot more things to do. Out of 3,634 cities, we're only in 148. How many of you know that's a long way to go? Long way to go. We've learned last week that the Bible has a lot to say about cities. 
Now, from the very negative identity in the Old Testament, cities were negative. You see Babel, you see Enoch. You know, Babel was a city wherein the people were so, you know, uh, self-absorbed and they wanted to make a name for themselves. You see the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. It's, it's a wicked city. And God judged those cities until God called Abraham in order to make a city for himself called Jerusalem, a model city. Unfortunately, the people of God were not faithful to him. And we see that they were overrun by their enemies. Eventually, Jerusalem was in ruins and they were all exiled to Babylon. And somehow, fast forward it, God's redeeming hand is always upon his people. Amen. There's always a lot of brokenness in different cities, whether in Manila, in Tokyo, in Kuala Lumpur, in, uh, you know, in uh, whatever, Karachi, or in Melbourne, anywhere you go, there's a lot of brokenness. But yet God's redemption and God's hope will always be here. God's original mission was to establish cities and not just the city of God, which is why our mission today is to send out missionaries, to send out laborers, we see that from the time of Jesus in Luke chapter 10, that very first verse there, as I was referring to earlier, Jesus said, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into the harvest field. Thus, we see our journey right now in the salvation story. We are all in cities. How many of you were born in a city? Please raise your hand. You were born in a city. How many of you came from the province and then you migrated to a city? All right. Okay, so somehow we are all here in Alabang. It's Mutinlupa. It's actually it's Manila. We are all in a city. And, you know, as we have read in Hebrews earlier, Hebrews was actually a time when the writer was encouraging the believers because it was a hard time for them going through different trials and hardships and so the, the Hebrew author is saying to them in Hebrews chapter 12, run with endurance the race that is set before you. Fix your eyes on Jesus, excuse me, the author and the perfecter of your faith. Have you ever run the race like a marathon or maybe a mini race or maybe a sprint? You know, especially if it's a long race, you know, it's too hard to, long, to run a, a long race. Okay, but somehow, even if you're feeling pain already all over, if you have, if you are about to see the finish line right in front of you, a new strength comes upon you, isn't it? I remember running the Skyway half marathon, 21 kilometers. Uh, first 10 kilometers, I was fine. On the 15th kilometer, I was struggling. On the 18th kilometer, I was crawling already. And my body was painful. My, my legs were cramping already. But guess what? On the 20th kilometer, somehow a new strength came upon me because I knew that the finish line is just there. Every time we see the finish line, there's a new strength coming upon us. Amen. I don't know what it is that comes upon me every time I see the finish line, but the last 200 meters is just amazing. You know, in, in the 18th kilometer, I was like that. But in the last 200 meters, man, I was just, it's kind of like chariots of fire. I don't know, maybe because of the cameras that are going to take my picture, my friends in the finish line, I don't want them to see my weakness. But somehow we see that every time there is a finish line, when we see the end in mind, we behave differently. When you see heaven, the new Jerusalem, our heavenly city, as our eternal destination, 
we will all live differently. We're not called to live here on earth forever. Our destination is in a better place. Abraham was looking for a city that is far better than the promised land. And this amazing man was called by God in Genesis chapter 12. And he said, leave your country, leave your father's household and go to a land I'm going to show you. And yet Abraham, as we have read in the scripture that we have just read in Hebrews, he's there in the promised land and yet he was still looking for a city beyond the promised land. A better place. I mean, what could be better than a land flowing with milk and honey? Because he's not stuck there. And I was talking to my pastor friend in Dubai. You know what's better than the land milk and honey? A land of dates and money. You know, in Dubai, okay? And so, we find in verse 8, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called out to go to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. He went out, not knowing where he was going. Abraham believed the promise, went out. But what's amazing is, he just left in obedience to God, not knowing where he was going. Now, I don't know about you, but if you're going to a certain destination, you got to know first where you're headed, right? How many of you are using Waze? I think that's many of us who are driving. If you're using Waze, you, what do you, what's the first thing that you put there? Your destination. You have to know where you're going. Do you have a friend who will tell you that morning, let's meet up at 10 o'clock. Saan? Basta. Just go. You know, I don't want to meet a friend like that because it's, you know, crazy. But somehow God called Abraham, just go and walk with me. I'm going to bring you to a place or inheritance and that's going to be your promised land. Abraham defined faith as acting on God's promises and living in the context of that future promise and not on any present circumstances. He's looking to the future. Not in the here and the now. Many people today define faith as receiving something for the now. It has to be now. Actually, they have a temporary mindset. Abraham has a long-term perspective. The longer perspective we have, the better the decision-making that we can have. He lived according to God's promised future. The most fascinating thing about this scripture is that he had no clue where he was going when he left. Basically, he had a pilgrim's mindset. He's just there. And in verse 9, it says, he, By faith he went to live in the land of the promise as a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. He did not live like an heir, but he lived like a pilgrim, like a nomad, like a temporary resident. Many people nowadays are applying for PR status. You know, I have friends in Melbourne, they're applying for PR. Friends in Canada applying for PR. They want to have permanent residency in a place because permanent residency gives you stability and security and benefits. But for Abraham, he was already in the land of promise. He was already in Canaan. He did not even apply for PR status. He lived in tents. His son Isaac did the same thing. His grandson Jacob did the same thing. They own every piece of land they're walking, but they don't have a title to it. They hang on to it loosely because they knew for a fact 
that there is a better place that is waiting for them beyond the promised land. What about us? Are we living our life here on earth as if this is our final destination? You know, we work day and night, and that's great. You know, God loves, you know, a, a hard worker. But let's live to a point of contentment and satisfaction, knowing full well that whatever it is that we have here, it's just temporary. We can take this. Last Sunday, we had the opportunity of having communion with the family. I felt like Sunday morning before coming to church here, I called my dad and I said, I want to visit you guys. And it so happened that my sister was there and then my brother heard that we were going. And so he went and we had a time of communion as a family. Uh, last Sunday, my mom, for the last time, took the bread and the cup. And then the very next day, she passed away. What a way to go. Uh, and we're grateful for that. You know, my mom's not been sick. She's, she was just weak, but she doesn't have any major sickness as in like kidney or heart or any cancer. She's just weak. But yet, I think it's the will of God for her to be taken already. And she's always been saying, Ariel, I want to go home already. I want to go home now. And I am the one who always says to her, Ma, bata ka pa. Hintayin mo pa si Bea ikasal. Makakaroon ka pa ng mga anak sa tuhod. But anyway, it's going to be taking a while, I think. Uh, and so my mom said, I really want to go home already. My mom was looking forward to a place called heaven. Somehow, the death of my mom really once again reminds us me, my family, how fleeting life is, how short it is, and how temporary life can be. Yet Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, three generations of heirs, they lived like foreigners in the very promised land that God has given to them. Three thoughts about cities that I can actually see here. Number one is we all have a longing to go to cities. That's why I ask how many of you were born here. You're born in a city. This morning, there are a lot of people who migrated from rural areas to the city. You know, somehow we're attracted to cities. It's almost like we're made for cities. There's a longing to be in a place of trade, a place of commerce. People always travel and they migrate to urban places. According to some stats, about 51% of the world's Population live in urban areas. 3.6 out of 7 billion live in urban places. Cities. Why do people move to cities? You know, because of different reasons. Better job, better hospital health care, better living standards, better education, higher income maybe, and also higher expense. Cities are social and financial centers. People actually seek opportunities in cities and that's great. Different cities in the world have different uh, personalities. And yet there are so many brokenness in the different cities. There's crime. There's corruption. There's injustice. There's scams. There's traffic. The hot topic for today is traffic. Welcome to the South. Violence. Discrimination, exhaustion, pollution, fake news, inflation. You can add, fill in the blank, so on and on and on. Many brokenness. Cities give you a promise of a better life, but yet it's not the promise of a perfect life. 
it's in need of redemption, need of hope. Our number one problem in the Philippines really is the urban poverty, urban poor. You see a lot of street kids begging for money and sustenance. Somehow, if you see this picture, you can actually now be desensitized, especially if you live in the, in the city. Right? Okay, uh, you can get used to that. And I'm hoping that we will not lose our heart and compassion for people who are in need. And not just delegate this to like social welfare agencies. One of my friends who came from, uh, a pastor from New York just visited Manila. In fact, uh, he went to Coron just to have a, uh, you know, a short break. And he rode uh, through via Terminal 4. And when he was in that terminal, about waiting to board the plane, he saw a street child begging. And he was deeply moved and deeply touched about this boy. And so he gave this boy some uh, food for that day. And he was wanting to hopefully give him a better life. And so he went back to the States. And then uh, after about, I don't know, maybe now about three months, he texted me and showed me the picture and said, can you do something about him? And, uh, you know, uh, I'm hoping that he maybe through your ministry or program, give him a better life or um, educate him. And yeah, we, we have a heart for kids like him. In fact, uh, in our church here in Alabang, we have about 60 scholars that are exactly like him. Used to be begging and, you know, they're not in, you know, not uh, capable of educating themselves. And we now have in our program 60 scholars that we are actually putting to school. But I was explaining to my friend that sometimes uh, it, is, it is harder than just putting them to school because 70%, you know, the kids that are roaming around Manila is about 30,000 street children. In the whole Philippines, about 250,000. And about 70% of them are still going back to their homes at the end of the day. And it's probably their mom and their dad, their parents, or maybe single-parent homes that are pushing them to go out in the streets to beg for food so that they can actually have survival for the family. And even if you put them in a school, you'll find them going back to the streets because going to school does not help their family with any form of income. And so I was explaining to my friend, thank you for your heart, but you know, we're also doing our part. And you know, I'll try to find this young boy, if, you know, if, if, uh, you know, maybe a friend somewhere in Manila. But anyway, I just showed you how broken our city is. My prayer is that God will not allow us to lose any heart or compassion for, for lost people. But yet on the other hand, there's, there's actually a fact that the most livable cities in the planet have actually been put up. You know, there's a, an agency uh, or a, um, a group called the Economist Intelligence Unit ranking uh, the most livable cities in the world in 2019. And their categories, basically, the reason why they've ranked all this, it's because of stability, healthcare, culture, environment, education, and infrastructure. Number one now is in Vienna, Austria. It used to be Melbourne, Australia for several years. It was knocked out by Vienna. But if you notice the cities, three are from Canada, two are from Europe, two are from Japan, and three are from Australia. 
And I check our ranking as the Philippines. We are 156. Oh yes, thank you Lord. I am in the most livable city on the planet. My rank is 156. But yet there is always something to thank God for Manila. Amen. God placed us here. God allows us to plant our roots here. But yet we also have a responsibility to go out. Secondly, we have a responsibility to bring the kingdom of God to cities. That's why this call to missions. We will not stop until we've done our share in sending out missionaries. You know the message. We've always been preaching it. It's either you pray, you go, or you give. And we're all going to be a part of that. Either you, you know, we, I, my desire is that we will be a house of prayer for the nations. We have regular prayer meetings in the fort every Tuesday morning. We hope to be able to do that here as well regularly. Uh, we have, you know, opportunities to go to missions, 10 days. But yet, when you talk about the responsibility for kingdom, you know, we want to see the reign and the rule of God in different areas of the planet. We just have finished the series here and now. It's talking about the kingdom of God. We've seen different pictures of the kingdom. How many of you learned something from that series, the kingdom of God, you know, here and now? Different pictures of the kingdom, seed, yeast, treasure in the, in the field, dragnet. Basically, when you talk about the kingdom of God, what you want to see is the rule and the reign of God in the cities of the earth. According to Dallas Willard, a philosopher in University of Southern California, a kingdom is the range of your effective will. It is the range of your effective will. Let me just tell you as an example. Maybe if you have a bag and if someone helps himself and gets your wallet or your cell phone in your bag, how many of you would be happy about it? Of course not because somebody is intruding your kingdom. Somebody is intruding the range of your effective will. Somebody is now checking his bag. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, uh, some, you have a will for your stuff and you don't want anyone to go against your effective will. Guess what? When you talk about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is the range of God's effective will for all of us. He's got a will for every city on this planet. May our prayer be like the prayer of Jesus. Your will be done. Your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. My question for us today is, in our own personal life, whose will is done? Whose kingdom is reigning in us? According to C.S. Lewis, in the end, there are only two kinds of people. Those people who say to God, your will be done. And those to whom God says, in the end, your will be done. All that are in hell basically chose to be there. Without that self-choice, there could be no hell. No soul that seriously, constantly desires joy will ever miss it. Those who seek it will find it. Those who knock, it will be open. But how can they knock if they don't hear the gospel? And how can they hear if they are not sent? And how can they be sent if we don't respond to the call? That's why we want to do our part and our share. We build God's kingdom. It's not the church who has a mission. God's mission has a church. 
God has a mission for the entire planet. My question is, are we going to align with that mission of God? Verse 10, Abraham was looking forward to the city that has foundation. His designer and builder is God. Abraham lived like a foreigner in his own land because he was looking forward to a better place, a city that is permanent, a city that is more beautiful, a city that, you know, the description of this city is God is its light. There's no need for Meralco in that city anymore. God himself is the light of that city. They did not expect Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob did not expect their full inheritance here on earth. Their inheritance is there waiting for them. My last point is we are all destined to be in that heavenly city. We ought to live our lives here as if we are headed there. Let's prepare ourselves. Some people live their life on earth as if this place is their permanent place. This is just temporary. Everybody say temporary. Let's not put too much value on the temporary things of this life. You and I, look at the person beside you. That person is called to be a citizen of this city. Our identity is we are the citizens of God. Citizens of the kingdom. What is your identity? Your identity basically is who you are, knowing you're valuable, knowing where you're going. That's who we are. And I hope that we will all live our life just like Abraham, knowing full well that yes, you've called me to be a believer. Yes, I am a, a lawyer. I am a, an accountant. I am a pastor. And I'm going to live my life to the fullest so that I can impact another person. According to F.F. F. Bruce, to Abraham, God's promise was as substantial as its realization. He lived the rest of his life in light of that promise. The city he looked forward to was the new Jerusalem made possible by Jesus' death on the cross so that all the people of God become eternal residents and citizens here. Upon the passing away of my mom, as I said earlier, really life is short. When they were members of our young church back in 1986, I was about 18, 20 years old. And I was looking at them and the, their colleagues. They're about 40 plus years old. And as a young student at that time, I was talking about my parents. They're old. And now I'm 51. I'm old. Time flies. Life is short. Moses was the one who wrote in Psalm 90, a man's life is 70 years. The length of our day is 70 years. 80 if we have the strength, yet their span is but trouble and sorrow. For they quickly pass. And we fly away. So let our prayer be in verse, like in verse 12. Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. If you know full well that your life is short, you're going to live it to the full. And as I was looking at this scripture, if I'm 51 and I live to be what? 70, that's about 19 years. I have 6,900 days left here on earth. If God is gracious and gives me 80 years, I have about 10,500 days, give or take. That's just short. I've been pastoring in this church for 17 years, in the ministry for 28 years. Para sabi ko, Lord, lapit na. May we all wake up to the reality 
that there is more to life than just being rich or being famous or being successful or fulfilling your dreams or having your new house or I don't know, maybe migrating in the another world. All these are nice. Don't get me wrong. We have dreams. We have dreams for, dreams for our children. But if our dreams overtake the dreams of God for us, then something's wrong. God has a dream for you and for me. And He longs to be with us forever. He longs to draw us every day in His presence. William James said that the art of being wise is the art of knowing what to overlook. Many times we are so concerned about the trivial and the mundane. We waste so much time with the little things. They did a sociological study of 50 95-year-old individuals. They just took a survey and they asked this question. If you were to live your life all over again, what would you do so differently? And one of the responses can be summed up in three things. If I were to live again, I would reflect more. I would risk more. I would do more things that would live on after I am dead. Will our life matter beyond its end here on earth? Will we continue making an impact and a ripple effect to the people around us even when we are long gone? John Bunyan, the author of Pilgrim's Progress, said, You have not lived today until you have done something for someone who can never repay you. Have you lived today? That's what missions is all about, guys. You do things beyond your normal routine. You look at your life and you go beyond your life and say, I'm going to bless someone today. It may be your neighbor. It may be your friend. It may be another city. It may be another country. We're all called to missions. We're all called to be like Abraham. We're looking forward to a city with a sure foundation as architect and builder is God. Hebrews 13 verse 14, For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. There is hope for us. The Apostle Paul talks about three things that will remain. 1 Corinthians 13. We always talk about love. We always talk about faith. But we rarely talk about hope. Sometimes hope can be defined as a casual wish. But hope really is a confident expectation of what is to come. And we know that that will come, even if it tarries a bit. That destination, that heavenly city, will come. And we are looking forward to be citizens of that. God is saying to us, Occupy this planet. Fill it with your glory, O God until it comes back and takes us with him. Amen. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Feel free to share this message with your friends too. 
For more information about our church, visit our website at www.victoryalabang.church. Thank you.